Hello, and welcome to the 18th episode of the LI Law Podcast. I am your host, Zahava Schechter. The premise of this podcast is to feature issues, developments, and topics affecting the law and how it relates to the 8 million of us who live or work on Long Island, New York, which includes Nassau, Suffolk, Queens, and Kings Counties. If you live or work on Long Island, this podcast on local and state legislative and judicial decisions is for you. Our guest on this episode is Lisa Albanowski, New York State Licensed Associate Broker with Coldwell Banker Residential Brokerage. Lisa offers resources for empty nesters, boomers, seniors, and their families, as well as first-time homebuyers. Lisa holds several real estate designations, including Seniors Real Estate Specialist, Certified Buyers Representative, and Real Estate Short Sale Professional. Please check out the show notes for a full list of Lisa's credentials and contact information. Also, if you missed episode six, when Lisa was also our guest, you will want to hear that informative and interesting episode. Please keep in mind that we will not be providing any legal advice to specific questions. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Zahava. So please tell our listeners about you and your business. I've been a real estate broker for about 18 years, and it's my full-time career. I enjoy helping people. I hold several designations, as you said, and I am very passionate about the seniors all the way down to the first-time home buyer and everyone in the middle. Okay, well, sounds great. So we have a lot to talk about. Let's get right into it. Let's start with the new SALT law. What is it, and how does it affect Long Island homeowners? So the SALT tax law is a revenue act of 1964, which was later named specific state and local tax. The acronym is SALT. That could be deducted, which includes real estate and property tax, income and general sales tax. First, by allowing taxpayers the ability to deduct state and local taxes, taxpayers avoid being taxed twice on the same income. So how has the $10,000 cap on SALT deductions affected the real estate market? For example, has it spurred demand on Long Island for homes with lower property taxes? Lower property taxes are a wish for everyone on Long Island. When I work with first-time home buyers, they are very concerned about the property taxes because it all goes into their monthly payment. Now with this $10,000 cap, they're all looking for taxes that are reflective of that. Meaning less than $10,000 by far, correct? Correct. So when we speak of lower end houses or property taxes out east, we're still clearly talking about houses which many people would still consider quite expensive, often more than $1 million, correct? Correct. So how does this uh, SALT deduction cap affect those East End houses? Well, the East End houses are either luxury, over a million dollars, or properties that sometimes are used for second homes. So what, in my experience, I haven't seen people really be affected by that cap of $10,000 in that case except maybe for first-time home buyers. Absolutely. And with uh, first-time home buyers and perhaps a lower demand for the higher tax properties out east, a perhaps unintended consequence is a lower revenue figure for the East End's Community Preservation Fund. Lisa, what is this fund and what is its mission? Well, the Community Preservation Fund is a bill that was reintroduced in Albany that would revive a proposal to increase a real estate transfer tax in the five East End towns with the intention of generating revenue to build affordable housing and provide assistance to first-time home buyers. And what is the effect on the regional real estate transfer tax as a result of the lower fees coming into the preservation fund? 
Uh, the regional real estate transfer tax would be amended to allow homes sold for less than $2 million to be eligible for exemptions. Home buyers would not be taxed on the first $350,000 of the value of a property, which is an increase from the current $250,000 exemption. And is that increase in the exemption in order to spur a demand for more East End properties by first-time home buyers? Absolutely. One idea for using the money is to make existing homes more affordable. First-time home buyers would be able to receive a low-interest loan, which would be repaid by the borrower only after the property is sold. Is there any other tax consequence as a result? Yes, and the tax relief from the town for up to 50% of the purchase price, which is limited to about $938,000 for a single-family home and $1.2 million for a multifamily home, would be under the State of New York Mortgage Agency. Lisa, let's move on to grieving taxes. Another perhaps unintended consequence, but one nonetheless of the SALT reduction, has to do with grieving taxes, whether village or county. We are now in October of 2019, fourth quarter, and with the receipt of the new school tax bill, I'm already thinking about grieving my property taxes in January. Lisa, do you think it's worthwhile to grieve property taxes? And if so, how does one do it? You should absolutely grieve your property taxes every year. It's easy to do if you have experience and you know how to pull up the comparables for your home. However, if you don't know how to do it, there are a lot of agencies that do that specifically. The company that does the grieving will not charge you up front. They will take one half of the savings of whatever they can save you for their annual grievance. Well, in Nassau County, I know that some people have already heard back as to their grievance for the 2020-21 year. I have not, but I'm wondering, does it make sense for me to grieve my taxes in January of 2020 for the 22-23 year if I haven't even heard back yet as to the current year? I always tell people they should wait to see what their tax grievance allows them and then file for the following year. Don't forget, if you live in an incorporated village, you also need to apply for the grievance for the village and they all have different dates. So check with your own village to find out when is the grievance time period. Okay, and I want to understand, Lisa, so uh, a resident might have numerous grievance actions going, both for the county and for the specific village. Is that correct? Absolutely. Nassau, Suffolk County, as well as their incorporated village. Okay, a lot of work to do, and that's why these companies are so successful. So the Federal Reserve Board has twice lowered borrowing rates within the last three to four months, and that's led to some reductions in mortgage rates. I thought actually it would lead to a greater reduction, but do you see any change in this market? Has it become a buyer's market? It's not a buyer's market. In fact, um, it's continuing to be a seller's market. If a property is priced properly, then you will have multiple offers. And pricing a property properly is not what you think because of what you've put into the home. It's really about the comparables in your neighborhood for like and kind. And that's why you need a realtor who definitely knows his or her area of specialty, right, in order to price it properly. What happens if you don't price your property well? Well, what happens, I see, is that people will overprice their property and the property will sit on the market and then it becomes stale. And then they try to lower the price and it's sort of chasing the market. Do you think it's a good idea to purposely 
underplay the, the amount, meaning even if you have what you think is the, the right price, is it a good idea to price the property a little bit less to bring in perhaps more people? Well, that's a great question because there are two strategies of pricing a property. And one would be pricing it at the high end and cross your fingers and hope that it brings traffic in on offer. But the strategy I like best and I've been using over these last year and a half or so is really to price it on the lower end of the spectrum and allow people to come in and then bid up. And then you have a bidding war? Well, you can have a bidding war and that's a whole nother topic. Okay, so um, let's move to the current status of the housing market. We're in October 2019 in both Nassau and Suffolk counties. Let's start with Nassau County. Where do we stand? So when you talk about Nassau County, you know, there are uh, listing status from August 2019. That's our last status. It takes a few months, like of a quarter, to get to the new stats. Uh, there were 1,476 listings that were new in August of 2019. And the average selling price was $691,680. That sounds very high, Lisa, doesn't it? It is. And the median selling price was $575,000. The increase has really gone up because the demand is there. Is the demand all over the county or in the bigger cities? Or do your figures not tell you that? It's overall. And the supply change is um, minus three and a half percent. So the demand is greater than the supply has, hence driving up the price. Okay, so basically, I, I think you're saying that the inventory is less. There are fewer available homes. And as a result, the buyers are now worried that they may be pushed out of the market and not find the right house. So therefore, they're paying higher prices in order to get a house that they want. Is that correct? That's exactly what's happening, and that's why you're having multiple offers. Interesting. Um, and what's happening in Suffolk County? And Suffolk County, there were um, 1,893 new listings in August, and the average sales price there is pushed up also to 498,242, and the average, the median selling price was $425,000. And the supply change there was about half of a percent. So in Suffolk County, there's less of a demand and the inventory isn't going down as much as Nassau. Is that what we're seeing? I think it's not really about that. It's that there's more of a supply. There's more houses clustered together in Nassau County. You know, in Suffolk County, you have more space. Okay. And what do we expect to see? Not that you're a, uh, a fortune teller. What do we expect to see over the winter? Will those numbers change dramatically or do we need to wait until the spring to see any kind of movement? That's a great question. You know, if I had a crystal ball, I wouldn't be doing this. But, you know, we always talk about um, the interest rate. And as the interest rate is continuing to stay low and, and drop, as it just did a little bit, um, the inventory is low and the demand is still high. So in the winter months, I see that it progressed the same way. Great. Um, okay, so let's talk about what I have seen described, especially in Newsday, as the millennial exodus, the wave of young adults leaving Long Island as property prices and taxes are beyond their financial reach. I know you specialize in seniors, Lisa, and also in first-time home buyers. I wonder how many millennials you see as purchasers and if this is affecting 
their purchase or availability of affordable housing on the island. Millennials are typically staying home or coming back home if they want to be on Long Island and trying to develop their career so that they can get their down payment money. Are they the ones staying in the basements? They are. They're in the basement of their mom and dad's house. However, I do see that the millennials are interested in buying homes. However, they are joining together with friends and significant others that aren't necessarily married and purchasing homes together. And the reason they're doing that is because they cannot afford on their own to purchase, whether it's a co-op, a condo, or a house? Correct. Okay. Do you think that the likewise exodus of large corporate em employers, including Grumman and Sperry, among others, con is contributing to the increasing age of LI residents and the lack of uh, available jobs and opportunities for these millennials? I absolutely agree, but I think what's happening is we're finding that more and more of these millennials who are staying here are developing their own little niche for entrepreneurship. And these entrepreneurs are definitely in the market to buy homes once they accumulate enough down payment and if their credit's good and they pay off their student loans. And now to a matter which we are following with great interest. The village of Great Neck is considering a variance to the owner of property upon which a four-story apartment building will be built. The 50-foot tall structure will have 44 units and is located at the intersection of Middle Neck Road and Guthile Lane. The property is owned by a corporation. Residents want to know the names of the persons who own the shares and control the company. Great Neck's mayor opined that the public is not entitled to know more information as to the corporation's ownership and said that the names would be on the application form once the architect's proposal is accepted. This is the third proposal in Great Neck within the past three months in which a developer has proposed to construct a new large building on a major road which borders a narrow side street with a dead end. Lisa, do you think it matters who owns a building and whether it affects residents or property values? Personally, I think that people get too uptight about who the owner is. I think if the building serves a purpose, uh, this is happening a lot in villages all throughout Nassau and Suffolk County, and as long as it's providing the residential need, then really, what's the difference? Okay, great. And is there anything else you want to add, Lisa? I just want to let people know that if they're interested in finding out what their property might be worth, then I will offer a no obligation, no uh, fee market valuation. And also, if that's for sellers and for buyers, if someone is interested in a certain area and wants to contact you, is there a fee to them, whether to consult with you or even if they end up purchasing a property? So as a buyer's representative, I have that designation as well. There is no fee. I will consult with somebody and help guide them through the process, even if they're not pre-approved yet for a mortgage. And there's no fee. And if, to our listeners, if you do not understand any of what Lisa just said, because she is definitely an expert in her field, please look at the show notes and contact her because she is a wealth of information and will certainly guide you on the path. And that's it for our 18th episode. Thank you, Lisa, for coming on the podcast today. Thank you very much, Zahava. And to our listeners, be sure to download this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And while you are there, please rate us with a review that could start. I just heard on the LA Law podcast that some villages require a permit before a homeowner may cut down a tree on his or her own property. 
In Roslyn Estates, a homeowner was fined $160,000 for violating the village code by cutting down 16 trees on his own property. He and the tree company are now in court trying to settle the case. Wherever you live on Long Island, be sure to check your local rules as to requirements to obtain permits for any work on your property. The LI Law Podcast lets you know what's going on on Long Island and is your podcast for local tips which educate and entertain. Thanks for listening.